inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello and thank you for joining today. Today we're going to talk about one topic that it's often intriguing. It's about charisma, so what this is. Pachel van Goethem is a writer and a highly sought-after international speaker and executive coach on the subjects of persuasion, charisma, and exerting influence. Her clients include influential companies and people from the highest level of government in the corporate world. She helps people to use all of their charismatic potential. After her exhaustive research into true persuasion and the best practices of charismatic people, Van Gudem has cracked the magic code and now wishes to share their secrets with everyone whose ideas deserve a platform. She has developed a revolutionary model on the psychology of persuasion and a compelling method that can instantly improve your charisma. Hello, Pachel. Hello, Oscar. Great to be here. It's, it's nice talking with you, Pachel. Yeah, I'm looking forward. So how are things in Helsinki? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, beginning of beginning of the spring, but as it is here in the north part of the world, uh, today we had some hail. <laughs> so it's a spring, but a little bit of winter still. <laughs> mm, yeah, we're looking forward to spring as well here in Holland. So I think it's slightly warmer than you guys, but uh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great talking with you, Pachel, and I'm being uh, very interested on on the work you are doing. Uh, I found you have um, recently released a book in English about um, charisma and persuasion, and as charisma is one of the main topics there, I would like to ask you. Uh, about this word that mm, we are somehow familiar, but what is your definition? So what is charisma? Yeah, I would say that charisma is the power to persuade others. So it's how you come across and uh, the power you have that actually enables you to uh, persuade people so that they follow your opinion and they agree with you or simply follow your lead. That's charisma. That's what I call charisma. And some people use it as mainly for a first big impression, and I would mm. say it's a first impression also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so charisma is uh, highly sought after, and lots of people come up to me and they say, "Yeah, but charisma isn't it like you have it or you don't? I mean, like you're you have to be born with it." And uh, I've been studying it for, well, some odd 20 years now. And uh, even as a child, I wondered, how is it possible that there are people that get everything done with others? Mm. And uh, I had a, would you like me to tell you how it all started anyway? Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, I had this headmaster at my primary school. His name is Asen, Meister Asen. Mm -hmm. And um, he was this tall guy 
like very eloquent. He was flamboyant. And I lived with my two brothers and my parents next to the school where he was the headmaster. And imagine this, uh, Oscar, this was in a very rural community. Mm-hmm. My parents were farmers, but we lived in this rural community. So you had this little school of about now 20 to 30 children. And there was this big guy, this tall uh, master, and um, he was in this community the go-to advisor about anything. So if people had to buy land or they had sick cattle or they had domestic issues, people would come up to him for advice. And uh, you could see him and he was always smart dressed, smartly dressed. So he wore this suit. He had seven children, was a strict father, a great teacher. So you might see him as a sort of random cocktail of John Wayne, Ronald Reagan and the Pope. He had this massive charisma, and I was this really shy girl, and uh, if I said something was so soft that people couldn't even hear what I was saying, or they Mm. wouldn't understand what I was on about, and even in my uh, uh, first job, when I, uh, after studying and graduating, I still found that if I said something, maybe people wouldn't respond, and then few minutes later, a colleague would say exactly the same thing and then people would applaud. And I mm. thought, how is this possible? I mean, there are so many people in the world that are not being heard. And um, so that was was the start of everything. And obviously, uh, I found out it, this became my, uh, my niche, if you will. I've done many uh, lines of research into the, this field. As you obviously, uh, most people know that... Uh, Albert Einstein was turned away from Bern University in 1907. And at that point, he, he could have turned to gardening. Mm. But luckily, he didn't. Yeah, so uh, I think, imagine how many, many people in this world have great ideas that are not being heard because people talk too abstractly or they're too modest or they have ideas that are far outside of everybody's um, uh, imagination, let alone the agenda of other people. So... Uh, my mission became to find out what actually happens in our brain when we are persuaded, also to determine the best practices of highly persuasive people, and then give those best practices to people with great ideas. So the mission is to have uh, this world be fed up or be filled with great ideas. I think all should all great ideas should be heard. And uh, so I hope to contrib- contribute in my own uh, uh, in my own way, of, uh, yeah, cracking the code, if it's like you said, mm-hmm. and uh, give people ideas on how to get their messages across. Yeah, fabulous. I, I, I'm sure you're doing this pretty well, pretty effectively, already changing uh, some people's lives. Um, yeah, the, the, the example of Einstein is very eloquent because, as you said, he was not able to to communicate properly the, his ideas. And that could have been the end of the story for him, but exactly. he managed to be more charismatic at that time. What would you say? Yeah, I think uh, um, one year later, he uh, he started working there as a lecturer. So uh-huh. uh, it all, uh, yeah, so eventually the whole world embraced his ideas. But uh, I find in my own practice as well that the people that come up to me that companies or people that uh, say, I require loads of charisma to get my message across. Mm. These are not the silly people that come up to me. 
uh, these are uh, highly uh, educated or brilliant mm. people, but yeah. they find sometimes they need to add something to their message. You are brilliant at doing that yourself. I read about the work you do. So getting your message across may take some extra ideas. Or rather, your style of persuasion might not be sufficient to come across as, uh, yeah, as um, cre uh, credible or uh, or kind. Or, I mean, there are different situations that require different styles. So it's really interesting to see. Okay, so how do I come across, and what's needed in this specific uh, situation? So might I add something to the mix? to make people listen to me better or yeah, come across more charismatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's very interesting the way you, uh, you define charisma using uh, persuasion as an um, element into that. Because I think for sometimes the first impression that I had had, or I, I guess some people also might have, is that charisma is more like a... Um, people you you see and you like no this impression as you said and persuasion sounds sounds more like um, try to convince uh, like sales or uh, being a bit more active into that um, but by you, for you there is a direct connection between charisma and persuasion yeah i would say so so if a person or a message or a company seems to be charismatic will be will pay more attention or will simply follow that person or um, company or message some somehow they seem credible so we take notice or we'll simply agree um, so the switch actually to uh, open people up to what you have to say is your charisma and um, so it's really uh, helpful if you know the style of persuasion you use and uh, what you could do to uh, enhance that. And maybe it's interesting to, uh, to get into what happens in the brain when we are persuaded, because um, mm -hmm. that can make things more clear. Um, as I see it, um, there are three things that need to happen in the brain in order for people to be persuaded. And first of all, their prefrontal cortex needs to open up and needs to agree with the person or, or the message that it's uh, observing. Like the prefrontal cortex is the area in our brain where we think, right? Um, so in short, um, the prefrontal cortex has to uh recognize the person or the message or whatever the stimulus is as something uh, credible, as something familiar, as something that seems good and as expected. If that happens, there is blood flow to the, the brain and it can think. And as uh, quantum physicists think um, that there's 400 billion um, bits per second and in information around us and obviously we cannot all decode that mm. it's because, because it's simply too much but also because there are uh, there is information there that our brains cannot decode like um, say for instance ultrasonic sounds or um, electromagnetic wave, 
electromagnetic waves. We know they're they're there. We built uh, sensors by now that can decode them, mm -hmm. but we can't uh, with our brain. So uh, from this 400 billion bits, quantum physicists think that there's only 2,000 bits per second that we can actually perceive, that we can actually understand. But as I see it, 2,000 bits per second is way too much to pay attention to. Mm. So what the prefrontal cortex does is uh, decipher things that it can recognize and uh, and think, okay, this seems like an okay person or this seems like it's uh, normal to me. Then there's two other things uh, what needs to, uh, to happen in the brain is that the hippocampus uh, should recognize the stimulus, so the person or the message or the organization, as something familiar or even pleasant. And then thirdly, the amygdala should not be alarmed. Mm. When the amygdala is alarmed, as you may know, then the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex will stop because all the blood is needed for fight, flight, or freeze mm. responses. Mm. So in short... What needs to happen is that the prefrontal cortex recognizes the persuader as something normal, as expected. The hippocampus should uh, recognize it as familiar or even a pleasant uh, memory. And then thirdly, the amygdala should not be aroused. When that happens, we open up to the person that wants to persuade us. And we think that the brain is wired throughout the world the same. I mean, Peru or Holland or Finland, it's the same. But the trick to persuasion is to find out what the other person thinks is normal. Mm. And that's, that's the fun thing and the hardest thing to do, actually. But, uh, yeah, so then we have to relax the person we want to persuade or the persons we want to persuade. And you that's the... Sorry, you said relax? Or you yes, you have to make them feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. So they think, yeah, this is a great guy, this is an okay person, this mm. is someone I open up to, uh, whatever they have to say. So that's where charisma comes in, and that you come across as someone normal or even pleasant. And it goes for companies as well, So, or for your message. So it seems like a great company, or uh, it seems like a great message. So that's uh, that's where the charisma comes in. That people pay attention. Okay, quite quite interesting. Um, hmm. uh, but I'm sure when um, when someone wants to communicate, is not uh, is not thinking in this <laughs> three part of the <laughs> of the brain. So <Yeah>. in <laughs> in a more practical way, maybe switching to what you have written on on your book, uh, True Persuasion. Could you tell a bit about the book, but also folk? And then focus on on that and the practical practical side. Yes, yeah. Thank you, Oscar. As you as you may hear, I'm quite nerdy about the subject, so I could go on and on for hours about this <laughs> subject. But in fact, what I really like is to present people with really simple, uh, practical tips, because it may take them just really simple interventions to uh, to uh, yeah to get their messages across or to come across as as a person so yeah uh, so the book is filled with tips with best practices with ideas and uh, so that's what the book is about it's called True Persuasion The Logic of Charisma so actually if people just browse through it and they 
people say, okay, I, I, they love reading it. Uh, it makes them uh, laugh even. Uh, and then they say, okay, tomorrow I have a negotiation or a debate or uh, uh, simply check the book and see if there's a tip here, a tip there. So really, really simple. Yeah. And then uh, what's also great fun to people is that, uh, as I call them, there are three styles of persuasion for people to look into, okay, so probably this might be my style, mm -hmm. or ask people around them. And uh, what we did to, to find that out, um, so we, we, I got into the research of what's happening in the brain, but also uh, what are the best practices of people that are highly persuasive, like world leaders or our children even. Um, so what is it they do? I started looking at movies, at fragments of uh, clips of meetings or one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations, and I had students look at them, and I looked at them myself, and I had them freeze the frame the minute the, the listener or the listeners were nodding or cheering or writing something down like uh, people listening to speeches or yeah, so. And then um, I looked at the, the footage prior to the, the freeze. Mm -hmm. Like, so what mm -hmm. happened? What did the speaker do? How did he or she organize their arguments? Uh, what did they not do? What, uh, how did they speak? Um, how did they use their voice? Do they have curly hair? I mean, what apparently are the, the best practices that make others nod or or cheer or write something down. And uh, I, I found that there are actually three uh, groups of people that seem to have that effect that actually make people nod or smile or uh, cheer. And uh, I divided them so in three groups and I called these the styles of persuasion. And I'm sure every body listening will recognize them i call them authority friend and role model so if we perceive someone as an authority he or she has a power over us that we will uh, listen to what they say and maybe agree or think about it and then maybe negotiate or afterwards agree uh, then we have the people we like so the style friend uh, and then the third style, these are the people we think are cool. So I call them the role models, the creative people, the pe people who have plans that are outside of the box. And um, so it's, it's fun to see, so how do I come across as an expert or in, in power, a.k.a. I'm an authority to people, or do I come across as likable, sympathetic, or do I come as a creative person different than the rest of the group this will have so much influence on your uh, on your persuasive powers mm -hmm. um, yeah okay could you give some examples of each of these three styles yes sure I think um, um, people that are uh, highly uh, um, high in authority, maybe our uh, general practitioner, our doctor, maybe we search for him or her and um, most people look for an authority in their, in their doctor. And, um, but it can also be someone we all know. And obviously uh, the person who um, considers someone to be an authority uh, we can differ about it. I mean, I think Angela Merkel and 
lots of people consider Angela Merkel to be an authority. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be that you agree, but it could also mean that you think, well, um, I don't see her as an authority. I consider her to be a friend or maybe she has no persuasive power in your eyes even. That you think, no, I see zero authority, zero friend, zero role model. But yeah, to give you an example, Angela Merkel to a lot of people has uh, high authority. As does Putin, by the way. He is uh, by now in Forbes list uh, second place after the Chinese president, but uh, high in power. And uh, for four years in a row, he was the most powerful person in the world. So a lot of people consider him to be an authority. What do you think? So who's, who's, who just, you just said after Angela Merkel? Uh, Putin. Vladimir Putin. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. It feels like that, yeah. Yeah, but it could also be someone we know really well. So my one of my two brothers, for instance, he uh, he's really good at his job. He uh, works in architecture and he works for the uh, city of Amsterdam and he gives lectures. So he's considered to be an authority. But to me, I mean, to me personally, mm -hmm. and when we're with our parents, we think, okay, Tom, thank you very much. But at this point, you're simply a friend. Just behave and have a beer. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Just have a beer with us. So obviously, it's all in the eyes of the beholder as well. So when it gets really interesting, when I give a lecture, for instance, Oscar, then I ask people to ask everybody in the room. Or we use stickers. So they go around the room and ask everybody, so what's your first impression of me? Or if they know each other really well, then it becomes a second impression. Like, you know about how I am being perceived in a company or uh, uh, with the co colleagues or with clients. So you can ask around uh, and ask people, how do you think others see me? I have people call others to ask them, ask their spouse or ask their brother or their Uh, a colleague that knows them very well. How do you know I persuade others? What's what is my style of persuasion? Mm -hmm. It's great fun. It's great fun. Okay, yeah. or or to try, yes. Yeah. So then the examples of you asked examples for all three styles. So uh, um, I think a lot of people consider, um, yeah, Nelson Mandela to be uh, uh, kind. Um, mm -hmm. Well, there are so many people that are being perceived as, as really nice, like um, uh, Oprah Winfrey or Michelle Obama is considered really sympathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, obviously, uh, people we like have also this power that we simply uh, nod to whatever they're saying. So if um, a friend tells you, I know this really lovely hotel in Paris, Or this great Airbnb in Budapest, we might simply book. And um, yeah, it's because we trust our friends to have our best interest at heart. So that's a whole different um, angle than uh, when an authority says something. Then we also listen, but it's not because we think they have our best interest at heart, but because they will know better. Mm -hmm. They know what. What they're saying they have the power or they have the access to power the access to knowledge 
And then thirdly, the role models here, they are, they can be anywhere. Uh, like uh, Elon Musk, for instance, is being considered a role model to so many people. And um, um, yeah, uh, in, in uh, sports, um, Serena Williams, I mean, she is, she is and she is a role model. Um, so there's so many people to think of. And I believe that it's an interesting to see what is the style you have and then consider the advantages and disadvantages of the style, styles and maybe enhance your charisma by adding, uh, by enhancing your style or adding the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's important to to know uh, what is how people perceive you in which of the charisma styles people frames you or finds you. Yeah. And then depending what you want, no, what you want to achieve or what kind of um war, uh, role you have, which one is um in which direction you should uh, you should go. So it can also be interesting to combine the three. So imagine mm -hmm, if exactly. in the eyes of other people you're sympathetic, you're a friend, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. But imagine that they also think that you're powerful, you're strong, a.k.a. a authority. I mean, that means you're more persuasive. So imagine if people think you're an authority and a friend and even mm. also a role model. I mean, you have all three styles and that means you become irresistible <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're aiming at obviously so yeah and there are so many people in this world that use all three styles as i mentioned elon musk for instance he claims that within a few years we will go to mars mm -hmm. and lots of people uh tend to believe him and i think it's It's because he not only is a role model, he stands out and he is a creative thinker, but he also has authority to back it up. And he uses his friend style to get people excited and to make people feel good about themselves. So he has this power because he's not just a role model, but he also uses the other two as well. So that's maximum charisma if you're able to evoke um these these three styles in the eyes of so many people that people think you're strong you're kind and you're out of the box you're special you're a great thinker that makes you irresistible to them mm -hmm. and do you think that there are some people who don't need to be charismatic wow great question Yeah, obviously, if you, if you, yeah, there are people who are sweet and <laughs> like children. I mean, they just have to wink or smile and they get everything done from us, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and if you, if you have no goals or so, then obviously, then you, you don't need uh, charisma. Uh, and Unfortunately, in this world, I think, um, to me personally, Oscar, I would think that uh, the best plan should win. I would love it if we lived in a world where the best plan would win and that everybody would listen uh, to 
people who are shy or people who are uh, highly uh, abstract. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, if you want to get your point across, then you need it. Uh, the world is, is not such a happy place, right? Like uh, people who play poker know this very well. Do you play poker by any chance? Oh, no. <laughs> no, not me either. <laughs> but I hear that people who play poker say it, it's not in the cards. It's not yeah. the hand you're held with. Oh, yeah. It's the way you play the cards. And it, it seems to, to be the case with arguments as well or your opinion. You may have a brilliant idea. But uh, people may not notice or not hear it or, uh, yeah, so it might just get lost. Uh, so unfortunately, we apparently need to be charismatic to get our point across. Mm. That's the, the harsh reality. <laughs> I wish it weren't, but uh, it seems to be the case. And uh, luckily, it's, it's not all that hard anyway. It's... Um, uh, I tried for years to find to crack the crack the code of people who are really persuasive, and uh, next to the idea that they have all these three styles, there is uh, a, a particular thing they have in common, um, and uh, it's it's really fun if people suddenly realize, oh, it's not I don't have to swim with dolphins first or have a, a two years of therapy to get there. It's sometimes far more. Uh, closer to home than people think. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so everybody uh, should be charismatic, but um, you are there to help, no? And <laughs> that's that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I love to help give people some hidden ideas, um, and uh, I'm so thrilled that the book is out now in uh, the international edition, and. Um, we started this European tour last year and I was so honored to be invited to so many places in Europe already and to share the ideas with people. And uh, yeah, and then people um, say that uh, with just a few simple um, ideas, now they're being heard. And uh, that is, to me, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I had one wonderful compliment uh, last year. It was I, I spoke to a group of 800 people in um, in economics, mm -hmm. and um, there was this line queuing up at the end. So people wanted their signed, and I noticed there was one woman, and she still kept looking for the end of the line, at the end of the queue. So she let people pass her by, right? So. In, in the end, she uh, came up to me and she gave me the book to be uh, signed. Do you know what I mean? I, she wanted my name in the book. And then uh, she told me this wonderful thing. She said, yes, I'm the, the one person in our uh, household who hasn't read the book yet. yet. And my son, Joris, is 17 years old. He asked me to tell you personally that after reading your book, he managed to uh, to um, pass his uh, math exam. So he he graduated with doing this math exam after reading my book. And then I thought, okay, now I can retire. This is the best compliment ever. How wonderful is it that a 17-year-old would actually 
benefit from one of the tips out of the book. It's it's amazing. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, wonderful. And thank you for having me, Oscar. This is so great to uh, to talk to you about it. So. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure. So now, Pachel, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Yes, I would love that. Um, I would love to, uh, yeah. Can I share two, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you asked me up front before we had this uh, this podcast to think of a quotation, and I think there there's two really important ones. And um, one has to do with the thing I found out about charisma. And I found out that the people who were successful in persuading people all have one thing in common, namely, they behave in a relaxed way. Mm-hmm. So in order to relax others, a main trigger apparently is to behave in a relaxed way. And I call it being a king. As uh, a king or a queen behaves in a controlled pleasant um, uh, way, a relaxed way. And um, quote is directly uh, related, my first quote, and what actually comes from my niece, Karen. And I hesitate a little because it's a rather moving quote to me. Um, Karen died of ALS in 2011. And uh, she was 39 years old at, at the time. Do you know ALS? Uh, you know ALS, Oscar, this, the, the illness that you lose all your muscle. Uh-huh. Okay, strength. okay. Wow. And um, most people have um, a chance of four to ten years of living after being diagnosed. In her case, it was mm-hmm. seven months. So she died within seven months after being diagnosed. And it seems like a tragic story, but actually she was wonderful when she got ill. And I'd love to share this story with you because I promised her, because she had so little time to live, that I would spread message throughout the world. So I'd love to share this with you and the listeners. Um, I asked her at one point, how she was so strong. She was strong. She was full of life. She was. She knew what her fate was, but she was so powerful. She was sweet. She made jokes. It was so much fun to be around her, and I had this incredible honor of uh, being there with her as with a, a, another group of people. And at one point, it was one month before she passed away, I asked her, How do you do this? How do you carry this fate with so much um, power? And then she told me something I want to share. And this is the quote. Mm -hmm. And she had to type it with her eyes because at that point we couldn't understand her anymore in her speaking. And she, she said with her eyes, I always wanted to be me. And I've never been myself more than in the last six months. And it's amazing what she taught us i think um when we are relaxed we have all it takes to be charismatic the minute we start stressing or doing our best we lose everything that makes us charismatic so we uh, we rush or we freeze 
or we our voice climbs up, we we smile less, etc. So everything that makes us charismatic, we lose when we're stressed out. So I mm-hmm. think to myself, what what she taught us is why should we always to get terminally ill to be this powerful and this charismatic? Yeah. Then the second quote I think is, is also very powerful. It's from Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was a very nice man. He was an anti-Semite, but he did something wonderful. He put the first car on the road and he had something really interesting to say about being obstinate, being different, standing out from the crowd, which I think we all need in this world. The, the world is in dire need of great ideas. And he said, you don't always have to do what customers ask you to do. Sometimes you have to be self-willed, if you will. He said, if I would have asked what people wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. One of the best quotes ever. So these are two of my favorite quotations. Thank you. You both have uh, great lessons, of course. (laughs) Could you now recommend us one book that has been inspiring or influential for you? Yes, I'd love to. I think uh, the book by Nassim Taleb, the book Skin in the Game. It's uh, a game changer to me. I love it. I think we should all read that. Skin in the Game. Yes. Did you read it by now? Have you heard of it? No, actually I haven't heard of it. It's it's, it's great. Um, As are his former books. Um, It is so interesting what he has to say about society and uh, how um, there is, there are people who have skin in the game and people who don't. And that uh, there are many advisors um, that actually, um, yeah, that don't have skin in the game that have power. And his claim is that we should listen to people that are actually with their feet in the clay and mm-hmm. that have something to lose. Mm-hmm. And he takes it to so many different areas of our society. And uh, I think it's a powerful book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I like also the, the, this metaphor of living the skin in the game. No? To put, uh, I haven't read the book, but I can imagine uh, to put in the effort in what you are doing in life. Fabulous metaphor for for the uh, for the title of this book. So finally, if you can leave us with an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us to do it regularly, a routine yes. to shine. I love that. I love that. So I think what is really helpful is to observe yourself when you are relaxed. So how do I behave myself when I'm at my best? And when you're under stress, then think of the way you do when you are relaxed. And then simply act as if you feel relaxed. Act as if you feel at home. And that will help you, actually, not only to come across better as a person, but also your body will start helping you to get more relaxed. So that's really helpful. And when under stress, you might think, so how would I tell this to my friends? Or how would I go about this when, when I would feel wonderful? It's like I also have a, have a 
a, uh, an exercise to uh, use your Obama voice. Mm -hmm. Sound like Peter. <laughs> Would that be fun? Okay, please. Yeah. Um, I am a voice coach well, and next to uh, charisma and persuasion, persuasion coach. And uh, I found that if you use your voice in a lower um, mm -hmm. way, uh, then people will start paying attention. You get more authority if you use a lower-pitched voice. As you'll come across as more sympathetic if you use your higher-pitched voice, as you may hear now. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, If you want to sound like a leader, so I call this the Obama voice, then you might think, okay, this is my middle uh, voice mm -hmm. and I'll simply drop my voice like this and that won't work. So the exercise is actually to uh, draw in your stomach, like retract it and make it as small as possible. Then your voice will raise like this and say something uh, with a higher pitched voice and then you let your stomach fall into a flabby mode. I will do that now and demonstrate. And the voice that will come then is that charismatic lower Obama voice. So let me demonstrate. I'll now tuck in my tummy and say, I think this is a great plan. And now I'll simply blubber my belly out. I think this is a great plan. Oh. So this great exercise. And you do it when you're walking the dog and when you when you know you're alone, right? You don't want to practice this with colleagues or a, <laughs> uh, or a partner in, uh, in, the, in the room. So, so the more you try this out, so first higher pitched and squeaky, like not nice, mm -hmm. but then afterwards the best voice will come out. All right. I have to try that. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks a lot, Pachel, for this uh, very interesting interview. I liked uh, from hearing your story and this um, thing, the brain, how, how charisma is related to different parts of the brain, to this so fascinating stories you had to tell us. So thanks a lot uh, for that. Thank you so much, Oscar. And I will be in uh, June, uh, in, in Helsinki in June, so maybe we can see each other there or maybe meet the listeners in Helsinki or somewhere around the world. Yeah, fabulous. Yes, yeah. Pachel is coming to the summer, summer School of Rhetoric that is in here in Finland in, in June. Yes, so uh, fabulous to, that you're coming here and yeah, hope to meet you uh, here when you are. One thing uh, before we, we close the interview is that Pachel has uh, given us a uh, couple of copies of her book, uh, True Persuasion. So um, just uh, be in touch uh, here on the website, timetoshinepodcast.com or on social media. So comment, say just some comment about our interview with Pachel and we will raffle one uh, one of these books for for you who are listening to this. And thanks a lot, Pachel. was a great pleasure to talking with you please tell us how we can find you on the net what are the best ways to find you on the net yes please thanks that's uh, our website is www.persuasion.com so that's t-r-u-e and then persuasion so www.truepersuasion.com and our email is welcome at truepersuasion.com 
Okay, excellent. Thank you so much, Oscar. Hope to see you in June. Yes, uh, thank you, Bashel, and all the best. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time.